Hey, fellow traveler, welcome to the Third Eye Awakening podcast, a show where we talk all about spiritual and psychic awakening, magic, the shift from 3D to 5D, star seeds, ascension, multiple timelines, multiple dimensions, the universe, the multiverse, the Akashic records, all the good things. I am your host, Amy Blair, and I'm so glad to have you here with me today. Okay, let's do this. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the Third Eye Awakening podcast. I have an amazing conversation to share with you today with my guest, Barbara With. I totally messed up her name at the beginning. Well, I knew her name was Barbara, but the word, like it's with, like it's, it's spelled like the word with, and I totally gapped on it when I was preparing to read her <laughs> intro. Oh, she was very gracious and forgiving of me for my blunder though. Um, but we had such a phenomenal conversation conversation. She is a channel and a psychic, and she has a very interesting body of work that she has created, as well as a process that she has developed to help us basically like deal with our conflicts. And I'm I have no doubt that this conversation will greatly expand your consciousness. And that is the name of the game here at the Third Eye Awakening podcast. This episode does not fail to deliver. Before we get into it, of course, I want to share with you the things that I have coming up. Um, First of all, Into the Akasha. Into the Akasha is starting on February 20th. There is so much momentum being gained, so much traction as new people sign up. And also the Facebook group has opened. I've created a Facebook group now um, so that everybody can connect really easily. It's optional, of course. If you're not a Facebook person, no worries. That's not where the course is happening, but that's where it just sets up a really convenient space for um, conversation to happen and connections to take place. Because the more interactive it is, the more the the more magical the results are truly. And I, I learned this because of the round that I ran in the summertime. That was the first time I ever devoted any of the calls or any of the call time to group practice. And I got such phenomenal feedback for that. There's something so valuable in practicing together. So then I took all of the feedback that I received, um, you know, like gentle critiques as well as just very positive feedback and really digested it. And I have created a new round of Into the Akasha that is absolutely not a regurgitation or a repeat of the previous rounds, which is why when you join... First of all, you get access to the last two live rounds, okay? So you get access to 14, like, modules, module calls, as well as, I think it's like eight bonus modules. It's nuts. I'm I'm a very big bonus module kind of person. You would know if you've taken any of my courses. And also all of the Q&As and the practice calls, there's so much there for you to dive into as soon as you sign up and you get instant and forever access to that. So lifetime access. Not only that, but you also are automatically signed up for any future rounds. So the, the people who have taken into the Akasha before 
all get to participate in this round to whatever extent they desire, meaning they're under no obligation to participate. They don't have to if they don't want to at all, but it's open to them if they do want to participate because I'm so serious that my goal with Into the Akasha is to really actually show you how to access the Akashic Records. And as I learn, I contribute more to the program. And like, because you are, you know, if you've ever taken it before, you are alumni, you get the updates as they come through, because I want you to benefit from them. I want you to connect with the Akashic Records. That's literally my goal. This is not a course where I just, you know, tell you, oh, meditate to get there. And then I, t- I like, I take your money and peace out. Bye. That's not how I roll. I am so committed to doing whatever I can on my end to actually facilitating your ability to connect and read the Akashic Records. So I have refined the previous things that I taught in Into the Akasha and I also really have reverse engineered how it was that I was able to consciously connect with the Akashic Records so powerfully the first time. I have figured out like what was it? How did I actually do it? Not just how was I taught to do it, like what was the process, but what were the things that went into the preparation phase so that when I actually like decided to pull the trigger and go into the Akashic Records the first time, I had a really powerful experience. I have reverse engineered that so that I can tell you what I did, what went into it so that you can do it too. So as you know, if you've taken into the Akasha before, I teach you my method And I also teach you like actually what it means to access the Akashic Records so that if my particular method doesn't work for you, you're not under any illusion that that's the only way to get there because it's not. That's just what I do and it's what works for me. But for this final live round, as I said, I've refined all of my previous teachings and I've also developed a step-by-step process that isn't just about meditating okay it's it's like if you're somebody that loves steps if you're somebody that your big question is but how this is the program for you it I am going to tell you how to do it so it's going to be a live round it's going to be amazing I'm devoting much more of the um the calls to group practice because so much was learned in those group practice sessions the last time. So there's going to be a lot of group practice opportunity. Even if you're not able to attend the calls live, you will absolutely benefit from watching them um, and just learning via osmosis of what comes up for us during the live group practice sessions. And if you are able to, well, not even if you're able to, fuck that. Of course you're able to. If you decide to carve out the time to like practice along with it, even if it's a replay, but practice as though you were there live, you will feel the difference. People t- like 
continuously reflected back to me in that last round of Into the Akasha that when I guided us all in together, they could, they could feel it. They would experience it. So you will feel it even if you can't attend live, um, even if you have to watch the replays. And I give lifetime access, like I said, because I know sometimes, you know, whatever, best laid plans and all that, we sign up for things and then life just gets crazy and we don't have the time to devote to it that we want to. I get it. This, like, you will be able to come back to it in five years when the Akashic Records really calls to you and you're like, oh shit now it's time. Oh, now I understand why I signed up for that course, even though I wasn't able to fully benefit from it at the time that I signed up for it and, you know, judged myself for wasting my money. No, 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 no. There is no money wasted here. I feel very confident saying that if you invest in Into the Akasha, your money is not wasted. (laughs) You're just going to stand to benefit for years and years and years from the existing content, as well as you will benefit from every addition. Like I won't do a full live round like this. I won't reteach anything after this. I can feel that this is the final refinement, but I will add bonus modules. Like I said, like I'm very committed as I grow and understand the Akasha even better and understand how to bridge the gap between the, um, you know, sort of 3D human experience and the celestial cosmic Akashic realms, I will add to the program. It's a living sort of, it's a, it's like a living, a living library of its own (laughs) into the Akasha, the program. So I would love to have you join us. Like I said, there's so much magic, so much momentum growing around it. Um, you will not regret it. I promise you. So if you're hesitating, stop hesitating. (laughs) You've got like a week to join before we start. Just dive in. I'm going to love seeing you there. I'm going to love working with you. You're going to love it. It's going to be amazing. And then the second thing that I want to tell you about is Galactic Gateway. So this is a big, hefty live event that I'm doing on February 16th. And this is where I'm going to deep dive into everything I've learned through the Akashic Records, as well as my own personal experiences and my own like downloads and whatever, Um, my own, you could call them contact experiences about the different types of star seeds, as well as the different galactic groups, the different galactic collectives, and then their unique realms and all that kind of stuff. It is huge. I'm I'm compiling so much information to try and map this out. And here's the thing I really want to emphasize. This is not a regurgitation of something you've seen on Gaia. Okay. This like, I am not taking this information from anywhere except from what I have learned. And I will also like personally through my own experiences and I will share with you, you know, the, um, the sources that did influence me before I learned to read the Akashic Records so that I can be totally transparent. I'm not going to pretend that I've never, you know, 
um, heard somebody else's description of the Pleiadians, for example. I will tell you what my trusted sources are, the ones that resonate as true and I have experienced as being true. And I'll also, you know, just give you a little heads up about the ones that I think are kind of BSE. And then I will share with you everything that I have gathered. If you feel like you are a starseed, you might be a starseed, you have children who are starseeds, your partner is a starseed. Um, if you're just interested in that kind of stuff, whether you're, you feel like you're a starseed or not, if you're interested in the galactic collectives, if you feel like your guides are from a galactic collective, or you've heard that you've had a reading with somebody who told you that, you know, you have like a Syrian guide or something like that, any of that, if any of that resonates with you, then you will really enjoy this right now. It is priced like so low for the amount of work that I'm putting into it. Um, and it will be going up in price once it's complete. So like after, after, you know, anybody who buys the replay, it, the, the price is going to be higher. So get in while it's hot, while it's fresh, save money getting in. And, you know, you can join me live if you want to. You can watch the replay, as always, lifetime access, all the things. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a very cosmic, very exciting live event. Oh, and then of course, the real exciting part is that I, last year I recorded a meditation to open the galactic gateway chakra so that you can connect with these um, like other realms yourself should you so desire and that is included so so I'll give you my whole rundown and then I will also give you that galactic gateway chakra meditation so that you can have your own experience and do your own um, field research so to speak it's gonna be so good Okay, those are the two things I want to talk about today. Of course, I have like a million other things available for you to join at all times. Best place to look is on my website. But Into the Akasha, Galactic Gateway, those are the two most time-sensitive ones. Apart from that, I love you guys so much. I hope that you enjoy this episode with Barbara With, and I will catch you on the other side. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Third Eye Awakening. So we have Barbara with, with us today, and she is here to talk about, basically, she's on an international tour, a world tour for peace and her own process of conflict revolution, revolution slash resolution that she has, I have you channeled it and downloaded it? Is that the way that it's come through to you? I channeled it, but then my associates and I took the channeling mm -hmm. and applied it to our actual real life conflicts. Oh, okay. Perfect. So it is tested. It is tried, tested, and true. And Barbara is on a world peace tour right now. She's an international peace activist, award-winning author, publisher, psychic channel, composer, and performer, workshop facilitator, and inspirational speaker. And she is the co-founder of The Conflict Revolution, a revolution evolutionary way to resolve conflicts of the psyche as a pathway to global peace based on her work channeling Albert Einstein. She has authored six books on metaphysics, including Imagining Einstein, Essays on M-Theory, so good, World Peace and the Science of Compassion, 
uh, winner of the 2007 National Best Books Award for Fiction and Literature, New Age Fiction, and the 2007 Indie Excellence Award for New Age Fiction. So this is this book is a big deal, y'all. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the title again, okay? Because it kind of maybe got lost in there. It is Imagining Einstein: Essays on M Theory, World Peace, and the Science of Compassion. If you are a physics nerd like me a theoretical physics nerd like me, you will probably enjoy it. And I'm definitely going to be picking up this book. So she teaches conflict revolution in the classroom and on Zoom and lectures on Einstein's unified field theory, maps of human consciousness, and the science of compassion. Thank you, Barbara. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. And can you please sort of share with us how you came to be a psychic channel channeling Einstein and being on a world peace tour. <laughs> yes. Well, thanks, Amy, for having me. And hello to all your listeners. And it's kind of a long story, but every time I get to tell it, I get to sort of condense it into something <laughs> more <laughs> easier to convey. But I just, first of all, I started out in music. I started teaching myself to write and to play piano when I was very, very young. And I started writing songs when I was 12. So when I got out of high school, I had two sets of music and I just was in rock and roll for 20 years. And during that time, the writing of the music was the beginning of what I experienced as channeling Hmm. because it was going into nothing, the outer space and listening for what was already written. This is how I experienced it. And then translating that into, you know, the music and the melody and et cetera. So that, basic skill was really what set me up to later on when I started to spontaneously automatic write. I knew what was happening. I knew what it was. I had been to a mentor for many years, um, starting in high school and 10, 15 years after that, who was also a channel. She was an antenna though. That's how she described herself. So I wasn't talking to dead people or angels or anything. So when I started to channel, that's how I looked at it, that I just had this intuitive art, is what I call it, that could pick up your higher power and talk back to your human mind about really the information was, I would say, basically about how to self-love. It really wasn't a lot of predictive stuff. It was more about, well, there were predictions, but it was really more about how to maneuver my way through my life, which was very complicated and painful at the time. Mm -hmm. So... In 1993, I started doing group channeling with a couple of women, and then we would organize these groups in our living room. And I don't know what I thought was going to happen when I did this. I didn't really have a preconceived idea because I wasn't, there wasn't anybody. It was just, I was this antenna. And when the girls asked, who are you? They said, well, you can call us angels. So we went to, to an antenna to this kind of divine presence, which I was okay with, but you know, that was a leap for me. But what they were telling us was so profound. And what they said to us was, we have this revolutionary way. We think that humans can resolve conflict, that the byproduct will be the natural manifestation of world peace. And Mm -hmm. we need human beings who are having real conflicts to test this, to see if our theories work. And so the three of us became, well, we were the psychic, we were the psychic sorority, but we also became Synergy Alliance. 
and we did we did we started having conflicts and putting to the test what they told us and it was absolutely miraculous and phenomenal so we published our first book in 1998 diaries of a psychic sorority talking with the angels and it's just the our diaries and the transcripts from those first sessions and how we began to completely transform our lives because of that book i was invited by a tabloid in london to do an afterlife interview with Princess Diana from beyond the grave on the one year anniversary of her passing. And I'd never done such a thing. And, you know, angels were one thing, but, and I knew I could speak with those who had passed on, but so again, skeptical, but I did it. And it was so phenomenal. The interview was so phenomenal. I channeled it typing both the questions and the answers. And afterwards I read it and just wept. And her whole message was about world peace was that if everybody who put flowers in front of the palace after she died would take the time to do world peace, then we could really make headway. And the idea was put it in this tabloid that could get millions of exposures. And well, the tabloid didn't want it because, you know, it didn't have enough dirt in it about Charles. Right. So my agent and I said, well, maybe there's other famous dead people who want to talk. <laughs> so we started sort of imagine I'd go and ask them and some would say yes and some would say no. And we did this for a while and Nicole Brown Simpson was the next one. And that was really mind blowing to me. I'd learned so much about so much in that interview. And then Johnny Versace and then John Kennedy. And when John Kennedy came in, he said to us, you don't have to be picking anymore. We are a group who has this message that we want you to get out. And so the next person was Albert Einstein. And when I channeled Einstein, I did it speaking. This was the voice of my channeling. This was a voice that had been with me for a very long time. I just knew I wasn't a particularly big Einstein fan, but who doesn't love him, you know, but after that, I became completely enamored. And in 2005, on the 100 year anniversary of E equals MC squared in this miracle year, I thought, I'm going to just do a little book for him, a little tribute to him. And again, I had no idea what he was going to tell me. And it turns out he delivered to me a unified field theory that he couldn't do in real life that includes maps of human consciousness, which he says, is an integral part of the creation of the physical world is our interaction, our consciousness interaction with it. And mm. also he gave us a scientific definition, quantifiable definition of compassion with a capital C as the fifth fundamental force of the universe. So that completely blew my mind. And I, I was still sort of like, I couldn't say that I talked to him. I, I, so I called it imagining. I was just imagining sitting around one day and imagining I was talking to Einstein, but as it came out, it was so profound. And that book took me around the world the first time channeling, teaching conflict revolution, even getting to do some music and such. And and then I did Einstein et al, Manifestation, Conflict Revolution, and the New Operating System, which is the complete definitive explanation of this unified field theory and the maps of human consciousness, along with illustrations, and then Conflict Revolution. And what, what this unified field theory does is it proves why Conflict Revolution 
works in the magical manifesting way that it does. So that's a lot <laughs> of life. <laughs> you know, all I ever wanted to be was a rock star, but here I was in this direction and it's so beautiful. So now I've decided at this stage in my life, my birthday's tomorrow, by the way, I'll be 69. Happy birthday in advance. Thank you. I always like to tell you youngins that when I started getting readings, I think it was 1969 and we didn't have even like a, a device to record it. There was no portable tape recorders. We had to bring somebody to take notes. So it's just so amazing where we've come with that. But so I, I just, I really took a, well, it was actually channeling a couple of years ago that started to push us in this, they called it the new configuration. And it was preparing for what I'm doing now, which is I've given up everything else in my life, but to focus on this work and bring it around the world and start having these conversations about world peace starting within us. And then of course, I've got some suggestions about how we do that. It isn't just, you know, sort of black pilling where we have to change, but we have step-by-step -step instructions and, and it is really remarkable conflict revolution. And I think as we get into the conversations about what it is, you will see everything on these maps. It, it, that's what the unified field theory does. It shows you absolutely everything um, that's conceived and especially spiritual practices or any other kinds of, you know, scientific stuff. It's all, it's all on there. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, I left, I started the tour on July 9th last year. I left home on October 15th and I've been on the road ever since. And right now I'm in the UK and it's just been a phenomenal journey so far. And I'm only like about a week into it. So. Well, that's amazing. And it's so inspiring to hear you be like, you know, so full of life and so full of passion the day before your 69th birthday and so mission driven and that, and not only that, but you're like, you're doing it. I just think it's so amazing because there is a lot of, I feel like we as humans have so many reasons to not rise into our greatness. And we, we often just like cater to those. And I'm sure you, you, and along your path that you, you know, succinctly not shelled for us. <laughs> that I'm sure you encountered many obstacles such as like limiting beliefs or fears like you said you know like being asked to channel Princess Diana and you're like I don't know <laughs> like, I'm just gonna show up and do it I guess and see what happens and there's I'm sure there were so many other points along the way where your human self struggled to accept the next cookie crumb of your own greatness that is being offered to you. And by greatness, of course, I don't mean it in a like an inflated, unintegrated ego way. I just mean like we're so we can be so impactful if we choose to be. And so you had all these, I'm sure all these moments where your human wanted to shrink back into like your your excuses or your the fear felt very, very real. And yet here you are absolutely like seizing your life your incarnation and making it freaking count and it's just beautiful to hear mm -hmm. well I was listening to your podcast about walk-ins 
and you were talking about this time in your life where this happened and then this happened and then this happened and then the next child came and then, then this happened and it was like this really as much as you were uh blooming it was kind of this crushing pressure uh, mm. that you had to, you know, juggle and learn how to deal with. And I would say that is very true of my journey. It took me a very long time. Even saying that I channeled angels was hard. Believe when I started it. to channel Einstein and I published this book called Party of Twelve, The Afterlife Interviews, where it's 12 famous dead people who are working in the afterlife with us for world peace. It was hard for me to come out of the closet, but after 9-11, I decided I had to do the first channel where I actually said, okay, people, I'm channeling Einstein. And even after that, it was hard for me. But in 2007, I appeared at an event in Taos called the Quantum Leap, and it was broadcast around the world to about half a million people. And I had this whole little rapport that I would say, you know, well, you know, I'm not here to prove to you it's Einstein. Just, you know, listen to the information and say what you think. And people came up to me afterwards, one after another, stop doing that. This is Einstein. Stand up and take it to own what you're doing. And I thought, okay. And yeah, we stand in our way so often. But like you were saying, this is something that's so interesting about walk-ins is that it, you know, you, you know, your children, you know, your life, you know, all that, but there's something that's just like, so such a major shift that you can't deny this transformation that's taken place. And in the past, I think since the insanity that happened in the past several years, I was pushed to this place where I made that. I often thought it, it did somebody just walk in because I am this completely new solid individual who has not that I don't have bad days or things don't go wrong but I know the power of my intention because I see it every day and I've gotten to this place where I've really let go of lots of past and future thinking and I'm staying in this spot with my razor sharp focus and things are manifesting like crazy the synchronicity is off the charts it's really exciting I believe it. And like, I think that's a big key too, is just what you said, like staying out of past and future thinking and staying more in the present. I think even we don't even have to like work so hard to manifest when we just do that. The manifestation just, do you know, yes. or like man, the, the kind of manifestation that, that we notice and desire because it's happening all the time anyways. But you know, the, the really exciting synchronistic ones that feel aligned and, and, you know, make us enjoy life. But yeah, I'm just, I'm so, I always love so much meeting somebody else who is um so on, yeah, on mission is the the way that I describe it. Like you said, that undeniable feeling of like I'm here to do something, and I I can't not do it. I can't. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, but I would love to go into. I would love to go into your conflict revolution and what you learned in in this. I'm so intrigued. Like I'm obviously gonna have to buy all of your books and read them now because I'm so intrigued by this idea of the consciousness mapping and being and the the idea of compassion being the fifth um 
major force, which is such a jump, right? Because the four major forces are like, we tend to think of them as physical. Mm -hmm. And then for the fifth one to be something that we have incorrectly assumed to be like spiritual, emotional, it, but it, I can, I totally like when you said that, I was like, oh, it is a force. It is a physical force because it absolutely contributes to the way that our physical reality manifests. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking. I would love for you to just go for it. Well, let me just say that, that the definition of compassion with the capital C is the fifth fundamental force of the universe is that it's the intelligence. It's the creative intelligence that uses the four fundamental forces to empower the creation of the physical world one step at a time. So the four fundamental forces aren't really physical. They're forces that have an influence on the creation of the physical. So electromagnetics sorts of sparks things, right? And gravity guides things. And the strong nuclear force repels and attracts. And the weak nuclear force transforms, you know, from green to blue to one to two. So in compassion, Einstein says, is the intelligence that uses these forces to impel the creation of the universe one step at a time. And to begin with, the beginning, the source, the void, everything begins in the center of the earth. And if you, if you go and look up, there's a Brian Green video that just came out with Science Times about how black holes are really much different than big giant things eating up universes out there. They can be very small. And so Einstein said in 2005 when we were doing this, and I don't know anything about science, so <laughs> I just had to trust. It's like, what? I have to go out there and tell the world that the source is in the center of the earth and the center of the earth is like a black hole because it's spinning so fast and it's so hot compared to the external surface of the earth creates this. So compassion impels energy in the void to step out of the nothing and into everything and create what he calls a circular membrane domain. So like a compass, this is what I love about this definition is you take compass, it's a thing that draws circles, so compassion impels energy to create this. He calls it a compilation of consciousness. And it steps out of nothing and into everything. And it surrounds everything that you are and that you are experiencing in your world. Yours does. Mine is for me. But we all begin in that source. And from there, there's a gravitational wave that goes from the center of the planet to the surface of the planet. And this is our non-physical where the three human dimensions are. And we'll get to that in a second. But this projection up this wave to the external that would break out into the outer world, our bodies are created. They are projecting and perceiving the universe uh, in the lens where now we all look like we're separate. And we are, you're there, I'm here. But that wave continues on out of this physical lens into the uh, electromagnetic field of the earth and it gets swept back up into the North Pole, back down into the center. And this spinning string is what is the basis of our physical reality. And what allows us to have that lens is this thing he calls the human intention. So it's almost like a prism type of structure. It comes out of the source, 
out into the universe, uh, into the um, outer space, whatever, into the observer, and then down into the lens. So if you picture the earth, and there's the center of the earth, and this mechanism sort of comes out, and then like a prism, it the string is spinning, and it goes over that string, and it slows everything down and separates it out so that we can have mm-hmm. this projection. So that's kind of basically the structure. But it's these three human dimensions that completely revolutionize everything. So we have the first wave off the compilation is emotion. And these are all capital E. This isn't the typical idea you have about motions being feeling. Emotion is the primordial soup of all creation. Everything that we experience, my glasses, the chair, my body, has a root in this compassion. And what it is, it's those fractal fractal particles that are going to be the beginning of that separation. So all my fractal particles are there and the chair's fractal particles. And at this stage, all we're doing is saying, like, my energy, my gravity is pulling all my particles, starting to pull my particles. The chair's is doing that. And then it moves and it gets into the second dimension, which is intuition. And intuition is the small... We call it an imperative statement, but it's not always a statement. You know, intuition can be a body feeling. It can, it can be insight, flash, whatever. But it's always telling us the next most advantageous step for the good of the whole creation that is programmed into that compilation of consciousness, whatever that is. And as it moves and it goes to the third dimension of intellect, this is where Einstein says, the root of every conflict that manifests in that lens is between the intuition and the intellect. Because the intellect and the ego have been given the power to actually facilitate the decision making. Mm. So you might get an intuitive impelling to say, maybe, you know, rest, turn left. Your intellect has been given the power to say, I'm not going to rest. I've got too much to do. And then make the decision to actually go not rest. And this microscopic point is where he says all the conflicts that manifest in the lens begin. And so his answer is what he calls aligning to compassion. And what that means is emotion, the whole spectrum, not just the joyful ones or what we think is the higher ones. No, we're going a unified field of emotion that is really more processed with our breath than it is with intellectually thinking about it and analyzing, because that's an intellectual activity. That's not feeling. Then when that moves up to intuition, the idea is that our intellects are supposed to be in the state. We talked about it where we're not future and back focused. He described it the other day in a reading. He said, imagine that you're sitting by, well, I live in Lake Superior. So he said, imagine you're sitting by the lake and it's a beautiful night with a new moon and those stars and the galaxies. And you're just sitting there, you're grounded in the earth. And that beautiful feeling we have when we connect to nature and we don't have to be thinking about anything. That's how we're supposed to be walking around. Mm -hmm. Our intellect is supposed to be so wide open, observing what's happening, listening for the next impelling of the intuition and then doing it. And that's all we have to do. But our intellects are, you know, they're so, that's where all that, you know, thoughts are generated, the things that stop us from doing what we want. On top of that, we have 
you know, we can go into a whole map of how we call them concurrent lives, not past lives, but how that thoughts, feelings, senses, emotion, intuition, and intellect of those lives are bleeding up through our gravitational wave. So we've got the thoughts of other lives. We've got thoughts from childhood. We've got thoughts from the neighbors. I mean, there is so much intellectual activity going on that this is a way for us to get it into a manageable form and take a mastery of what we've been given in charge of. And it, it is brilliant. It is, it, it is definitely worth Einstein, the Einsteinian level of thinking and planning in this process. It sounds so exciting. I would love to hear, like, can you give an example of um, either maybe a client or a friend or, or yourself, a conflict that is taken through that lens to find resolution? Oh, I'd love to. So, uh, and I do this in my workshops, everybody brings a conflict and then we share them as the icebreaker. And I always bring a conflict. Of course, I know the miraculous outcome, so I can be a little dramatic about when I tell it. But it was a while ago, I was still married, and I had a really bad back and shoulder. And it was so bad. It had been like a year and a half, and I'd done everything. And I thought, okay, I haven't done conflict revolution. I was massages and acupuncture and everything, and it wasn't happening. I thought, I got to do it. So I was working as a, a housekeeper and a property manager. And my boss said, well, we're going to share um, property. We're going to share maids with my friend who has hired a bunch of maids. But they were never there. He would say, well, pick them up on this day and you can take them out to the rental and they'll clean. And I'd pick them up and they'd say, we just worked 80 hours and we haven't even been paid. So I had this huge conflict where then I had to go clean because what? You know, this was my responsibility. And so my boss wasn't doing anything about it. And it took me a long time to do this rev because I was really angry and I was really focused on those, my boss and his friend, and they didn't care. They did not care about my physical condition, no matter what I told them. They didn't care. They never changed it. So I had this. So one day I thought, I'm going to do this. And I went to pick up the maids and they weren't ready. And, oh, I blew my stack. And so I'm driving out to the rental house and I've got to do this cleaning. It's a six bedroom, three, you know, it takes me six hours and I'm hurting as it was. And, and I said, okay, what we do is we find that intellectual sound bite because your, your intellect is going to go all over the place. So we parboil it down to just one sound bite. Well, one was they don't care about my physical condition. And the other was they lie. They're lying to me. So I'm working, I'm vacuuming, and I'm pissed, and I'm angry, and I'm, I'm like, I don't do that. I don't, you know, I, I don't, uh, I've been doing everything to take care of my physical condition, acupuncture, blah, 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 blah. And at that moment, what we do is we step into our witness, and we say, okay, where am I lying? Where am I not taking care of my physical condition? Not them. It's a revolution. Let's get the focus off them and back here. Oh, I don't blah, blah, blah. And at that moment, I was washing windows with my bad arm. And I was, ah, and, and I had to stop and go, no one's forcing my arm to go up and down. No one's but me. 
And I'm lying to myself if I think that I've done everything I can when here I am hurting myself for what? So I had to stop and process emotions, feel and breathe, you know, because you're mad, you're sad, you're embarrassed, you're ashamed, you don't know what to do. So you breathe and breathe and breathe. And then you ask the intuition, what, what should I do? And the answer was, make yourself heard. So I drove back into town. I took my boss, brought him to the beach, sat him down, took him by the ears. I said, I do not clean. I've been lying to you. I tell you I don't clean. And then every time this happens, I go clean. So I'm lying. I'm sorry. It's going to stop now. I don't clean. And when this happens, I'm giving the renters your phone number so that when they get to the house and it's dirty, you can deal with it. And he was like, okay, okay, okay. We went back to the office. In walked Ileana. I hear you need a cleaner. And it was never an issue again. And that's kind of the way that it works is that once we get that piece that this trigger is reflecting in us for us, because, you know, people can do things and you may not be triggered at all by it. I might be triggered to the hilt by the same thing that you have no trigger about. And that's why it's really personalized for us. But when we do this and we make that piece and we feel our feelings and we listen to our intuition and act on it. Now we're aligned to compassion and the natural projection is going to be that peace. And that's why the system, the system can be perfect. It's a perfect system. It perfectly projects into physical reality what's happening on this gravitational wave. So if there's a lot of conflict, it's going to perfectly project conflict. Mm -hmm. But if there isn't conflict, and we get out of the way and say, which is what I do every day, is like, I just want to get out of the way and let this power that I am, this compassion, move through me and manifest in this way. And that's when the synchronicity comes up. But yes, I have many, many, and many clients too, who have had just aha moments that have completely changed their lives. It's very interesting. I remember like... It was a couple of years ago, I was going through something really challenging. And likewise, it felt like this other person was calling the shots, maybe. Or, you know, I'm trying to, it's, it's funny how in two years you can let go of something. It's like, mm-hmm. you don't fully remember. But I remember at the time, just really feeling like this other person had all the power cards. And I had this realization, like, they're just a placeholder for your own power that you are not willing to accept. And that's what I'm hearing as you're speaking is like, you feeling like your, your boss just not hearing you, they don't care, they're not listening, which I'm sure there's also that they weren't. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you are, you're always you're so powerful. They don't, they don't have some kind of magic power over you apart from what you allow them to have. And I feel like it's a, like, it's our own power, like what's happening. It plays out in the, in our manifested reality. Like you said, like there's something on the gravitational, I can't remember the exact word that you use, the gravitational wave. gravitational wave so there's like a distortion a misperception something like a a, a turbulence or something like that and then it 
crystallizes into our manifested reality into a scenario that we're playing out, but we are always the source of it. Yet it's so, 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 it's so convincing. It's so convincing that it's actually just happening to us. (laughs) But it feels to me like just what you were describing in that particular scenario is it, it brought me back to that time that I, I remembered like, oh, that's my power and I can't accept how powerful I am. So I'm projecting a piece of my power onto this character that is being an asshole. <laughs> but really it's my power. And I, if I, when I make my peace with the fact that I'm that powerful and I take that power back, that person then instantly stopped being an asshole because it was never, you know, they were just responding to basically the unconscious script I was giving them. Yes. And when we, when we do the revolution and we have that moment, I I call it, we call it hanging and dang, because like what I'm so sure that I'm not doing anything and it's them. And then I watch myself, I watch myself hurt myself and I have to go dang, you know, Oh, but what is it in that intellectual processing that when the boss says, yeah, we're going to have this deal and then it never works out. And that I make the decision to always go and keep cleaning. That's where the power lies Mm -hmm. of where I rationalize. Well, I can't not clean because this is my job or maybe I'll not have a job. You know, all that rationalization that drives us to stay in our victimhood is what we tackle in conflict revolution. And then it's interesting that you mentioned earlier about concurrent lifetimes sort of like influencing our current gravitational wave because as you know, as you're even describing that scenario, I mean, you can say I'm definitely not trying to tell you that this is what it was, but my mind goes to like, oh, well, totally, that could have been a pattern that was initiated earlier in life by observing, you know, the way that your mother behaved or the, you know, whatever, or you had some kind of dynamic, but it also can be from a past life where you were literally a servant and literally like the power dynamics were, the stakes were higher, let's say, you know, and it was, it was even more challenging to figure our way out of it. So yeah, it's very interesting. So yeah, go ahead. Oh, I had a, I had a very intense, long experience with a past life. And it's too long to tell here, but it was a past life that was in about seven, 900 AD in Ireland. And I had been this 12 year old queen who married the king who went off and got captured by the Vikings and tortured and killed. And so there was all this trauma dynamic that came up. And as it played out, um, it was mind boggling to me that I had to, it's almost like I had to put her outside myself. Like she was like a past, like a angel or an entity rather than this. But the long story short, as I worked it and healed it and put it all together and figured it out, that life healed those potentials started to, in that life manifest differently. So for example, the King, left the next day and didn't get captured by the Vikings. And then they had grandkids. And so there is this way for us to bring this multi-life piece as we do this. And the other thing is that I, that I really love about this in terms of the contemporary world 
This is the answer to propaganda. We live in this time where there's so much information that nobody really knows. And it's really the answer to how we gain our sovereignty back, how we trust our intuition, and how we can um, transform our thinking processes to be in alignment to compassion so that it doesn't matter what they're going to tell us. They can tell us lies. They can tell us all kinds of things. But with this system, I trust myself. And so that's part of what I'm doing right now. I'm starting a sub stack, actually, that's going to be a little more oriented towards how conflict revolution can be used in this modern day and age of what we're going through. I think that's amazing. Will you talk a little bit more about that, like how how it applies to discernment? That's what I'm hearing you saying, like it, it amplifies your own discernment so that you are not being, you know, you're not taking on information as if it's like fact or truth and sort of unaware in the way that propaganda is distributed and intended for us to consume. Well, first of all, if we got go on the microcosm, because it is the unified field. So everything in the microcosm and the macrocosm work the same way is that what is propaganda, but all that stuff we've been talking about, all that message in our head that we don't have this power and we can't do it. And, you know, we hand our power over to other people. That's propaganda. And Mm -hmm. so we teach, uh, what we do is we start with this focus, this witness that's focusing on a new way to feel emotion, which is very important that we develop a process to actually feel and breathe emotion so it doesn't marry itself to intellectual thought. So, for example, I used to have this affirmation when I get because I was a rageaholic and I had this affirmation I don't need to know why I feel I'm angry I need to just feel and breathe I just need to be here feeling and breathing and releasing 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 so when you disconnect all those intellectual messages from the fuel of the emotion you know the it's the Mm -hmm. primordial soup of everything it's creating that reality when you're like well they're doing that to me and you project it that's what you're creating so we tackle propaganda first and foremost here and when we get aligned to where we don't listen to those voices that are disparaging us or that we have a process i have a process that replaces them instantly and with the revolution of it oh i can't do this hey not only can i do this i will do this so there's a way to revolve it really quickly so that when i go out into the world and i see all of this information bombarding me Yeah, it's hard, but when I'm in touch with my intuition, when I have my intellect in control, and when I know what the truth is about projection and manifestation, then that just becomes sort of white noise. And then do you experience like a different sensation within yourself um, with like truth versus I don't know, because sometimes it's not necessarily intentionally deceptive, right? Like propaganda is (laughs) intentionally deceptive. But sometimes that white noise is just stuff that isn't true. So sometimes it's more neutral, but it's not, it doesn't resonate as truth. And then there is the intentionally deceptive stuff. Do you feel inside of yourself and in any of your, like any part of your body or any part of your consciousness, your field, do you feel a, a difference in the vibration of truth versus 
un- untruth, what resonates with you as untruth? Yeah, because truth to me is about my solar plexus and my, my heart center. Mm-hmm. So my emotion and my intuition, which according to our teaching, nobody has any conflict there. Even if we're feeling anxious, anxiety, depression, anger, that's normal. That is part of our normal processing of being human. There's not a conflict with that. Where the conflict lies is when that anxiety gets up into the intellect and starts with the thoughts to define what it is and why it is and what it's going on, what's going on with it. So we tend to, in conflict revolution, really embrace as much emotion as we can. And then the intellectual kind of mastery is as different as if your heart was needing healing than your stomach, you do like two completely different things. So we deal with emotion in one way and then the intellect in another way. And it's, it really brings us not only that sovereignty and, and I can feel like when I get a, ooh, like I get a stab in my, in my body when I hear somebody telling me things that, that I know are lies. And so that informed me to intuitively be able to like feel my way through like, oh, nope. And now I don't have to go, oh, what's wrong with you? That's a really nice person. You should go blah, 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 blah. Nope. My body says no. It's just a no. It's a hard no. It doesn't have any judgment. It's just because my intuition tells me so. Mm, I have the same experience and, and I'm asking because <clears throat> you meant you're, you're talking about propaganda, which I think is really about dis- discernment of being able to discern like this is, this feels true to me or it doesn't. And I just filter out everything that doesn't feel true. I don't even bother with it. If it doesn't feel true, I don't bother. But I also get a lot of questions from people as I teach psychic development and how to access the Akashic records. There's a ton of concern rightly so about like, how do I know if I'm speaking to or connecting with benevolent beings or darker, less benevolent beings, tricksters that will present themselves as like my spirit guide or, you know, something Archangel Michael, whatever. And, you know, people are just worried and it's hard. I feel like I wish I could give a deeper answer, but the way I experience it is like, it's the same thing almost as like dealing with a narcissist on earth is you, when you are naive, which I used to be extremely naive in my, like, I'm actually amazed that I'm alive. That's how naive when I was in my twenties, it was crazy, but I was very naive. I just believed the best of everybody, everybody. Like I had a homeless man named Jack Crack. He told me his name is Jack Crack. Tell me that that I need to be less naive and less friendly to people when I bought him a coffee and hung out with him for a while. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I better, if Jack Crack is telling me that's, I should listen. Um, But anyway, but I had to learn over time kind of making the mistakes that the whole time my intuition was telling me through my body and through my heart, my intuition was telling me this person isn't safe. This situation isn't safe. Do not proceed. And and I kind of had to live out a bit of the consequences in order to verify that that feedback is solid, 
so that every time now that I have those inklings, like you're saying, I don't need to know why I don't need to know. Like as an example, when I was looking for daycare for my daughter, who's now five, but I went back to work when she was five months old. And so I was looking for a daycare and there was a home daycare provider right around the corner from our new home that we moved into. So it seemed like perfect, ideal. When I took her there for an interview, my everything in me was screaming like, no, do not leave her here ever. And like the people will hurt her. The people in this house will hurt her if you leave her here. I have no way of verifying that because I didn't leave her there. So I don't know if that's true or not, but I don't need to know. I know that those like feelings inside of myself are worth heeding and listening to. And I feel like kind of what you're describing with the propaganda, that it's a similar, it can be also applied to discerning with, um, yeah, the, the different beings that we might connect with on a psychic level as well. It's the same mechanism. It's a part of you that's like, "Mm -mm, this is not like, if you ever have weird feelings about your spirit guide, consider that that's something to, you know, ponder on a deeper level. (laughs) Well, and that would, that would be my answer too, is that you just have to go through it. You have to go through it. You have to learn experientially and evidentially. And it's up to what I always say is that I, you know, I've never met a, evil spirit in, in, in the non-physical. I've never had an experience where there was, I felt like that was going on. However, I was sexually assaulted by a psychopath in real life. So what was it in my, and this is what I, the work I had to do in that case was what part of my body, which was saying, no, 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 put my child in that daycare and then had her you know, abused. What part of us stands in the way? What propaganda goes in our heads that says, oh, you can sit next to that psychopath and have drinks with him because he's better off with you, the good person sitting next to him. So that propaganda is applicable, like you say, to both physical world and and the spiritual world. And you just have to get in there and take, I, I too, I've had years of rigorous training and 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 mistakes that just were that made me who I am today though yeah yeah it's you really it is like I feel like earth the the earth school so to speak is a process-based school none of us can get out of that and so it is always just a process it's it's like learning experientially that's the that's the name of the game here and I think that's why we come here to as you know um, spirits, souls, so to speak, to come and have this experiential experience. Absolutely. Um, but I'm, I'm so selfishly, I'm curious what, so in with your, the whole beautiful model of reality that you outlined, I cannot wait to dive into your books. I'm so, so thrilled with all the descriptions you're giving. Um, I'm curious, like who or what is the source of propaganda. Yeah, how like how does it make sense to you? Well, the the internal propaganda that we deal with that would say for example, oh no, this daycare would be fine or whatever. This is the product of 
millennium of what we call the old operating system. The old mm -hmm. operating system was based on a fear-based system where emotion marries to intellect and projects that fear onto the world around us. And what we're doing now over these years, however many years of the evolution of human consciousness is we're shifting to a different operating system so that it's based on compassion as the fifth fundamental force of the universe that's driving us intuitively and then we're mastering all of that intellectual propaganda that's going on uh, as a part of the patterns other lives past past in this life the culture so all of us who are doing this work, which is why I think it's so important for us to talk about it, generate these ideas, keep these ideas coming to the forefront, is because now we're actually able to shift that operating system into this, this new way of living aligned to compassion, which is, you know, even on a, on a classical meaning of compassion, of love, is what we need right now in this crazy world. And as far as where does the propaganda come in our in our culture right now, I think there's a very powerful um, system in place, and as powerful as it has been of feeding the culture lies, advertisements. Every I mean, none of us have lived in a world where there hasn't been propaganda. It's been going on for a century or more. So, all of that, to me it crumbles under this work that we're doing. And so it has to get bigger and bigger and bigger till more and more people see it to be so what it is. And that's what I see happening. That's why I'm so excited right now. As much as things are really crazy, more and more and more people are, are finding this way and going, wait a minute, that doesn't feel right. Wait, what's this? And I think as massive, we are waking up to compassion in a way that I don't think we ever have before. I think so too. And I think this is what, you know, that like sort of new age spiritual buzz concept of shifting from 3D to 5D. Um, I think it's a consciousness thing as opposed to a, a, like, as if we're going to a different world somehow by the magic of who knows what that that's what makes sense to me. But as our consciousness shifts, the physical manifestation of our reality reflects that. And so it becomes more refined, more beautiful. Everything emanates more light. Like that's, that's kind of the way that it makes sense to me. So as you're describing everything that you're talking about, everything that connecting with primarily Einstein, but it sounds like even those um, like John Kennedy and Nicole Brown Smith and princess Diana, and then the, the group of 12 and the angels before that all, all of them have been like leading you to be able to bring forward um, a very practical, but also very intellectually exciting model of literally how we shift in our consciousness into like, you know, and I, I find it so interesting because like the, the fifth fundamental force and the fifth dimension, it's, I feel like it all lines up really beautifully. Have, have you, I'm sure you've, I'm sure somebody's brought that forward to you before. 
Well, yes, and also that um, if you talk to, if you listen to Brian Green, who is a string theorist, you know, mm-hmm. he talks about the 13, yeah, yeah, he talks about the 13 dimensions. And so when people say, mm-hmm. oh, we're going into the fifth dimension, it's like, no, our map has 13. We have 13 dimensions. And the idea is that, you know, we've been living in this lens, right? The physical lens where we're separate from each other and here's my glasses and stuff. And we think this is the primary reality, but this is only 10% of the whole entire operating system. Right. So that's, that's what is, what's going on. And I, it's so exciting. It's so, especially to see young people get this just like that. You know, I've been slogging through this and I shouldn't say that because I would not give up one moment of anything that I've done, but it's a lifetime of go going into a culture that didn't believe any of this. I mean, to say that, emotion was at the root of illness when I started was very controversial. And now it's just, even doctors are talking about it. So. Right. It's so true. I mean, I think that too, with my son, I have a son who just turned 19 and I watch him and I'm just, I don't know, awestruck. I'm humbled by his, he's never explored these things per se. He's always been um, very spiritual, but it's just integrated. Like, whereas I have wanted to explore it for him, it's already in the operating system. It's already there and it's amazing. And, but I think like, I am playing my role exactly the way I need to. You are playing the role exactly the way you need to, because, because you know, when you came in, like you said, it isn't, it wasn't integrated at all. People couldn't even have a psychic reading and record it <laughs> in any way. They had to write it all down. Right, <laughs> That's exactly. crazy to me. I'm like, holy moly, how would you even retain what you need to hear? <laughs> now, now I can have lipstick on Zoom, you know, I can program That's lipstick. Right. <laughs> like, so you can pre-apply the lipsticks, but you always <laughs> look on point. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it, you know, it really is. And I, I just want okay. to say one, one real quick thing about intuition is, too, is that um, there came a time where my mother needed to go into a assisted living place. And my three sisters and I, we went through everything and just intuitively we found this place and we all felt good about it. Mom was going to go there and it was so great. And we got her, got her in there. And about a month in, it turns out we found out that they didn't tell us when they signed the lease with us, that they were just an interim company that HUD had hired because the actual owners had walked away from the business. And there was this chance that in four months, everybody was going to get evicted. And I sat and thought, what was, I, I got this intuitive message. I know what my intuition is. And, you know, and I just sort of thought, well, I, I can't be perfect and blah, blah, blah. So we go through it and it gets to that six month mark and they've got new people in and my mom's all happy and we haven't sold the house yet because we wanted to see if this business was going to be viable. So it's like, okay, good. Here it is. And then she fell and broke a femur and she couldn't be in there. So if we had not sold the house, if we'd sold the house, she would have to go into a nursing home. But as it was, I found two homeless PCAs. I put her back in her home. She lived another almost three years. So it's so important with this work that we're doing that our intellects let go that it thinks it knows everything that's supposed to be going and assume this position of observing and watching and waiting for intuition and then trusting. And that's a big, that's a, that's our work, I think. 
in the world today. Holy, I'm so glad you shared that because also that this is one of the, I think, one of the unfortunate side effects of having excited conversations with other people who are living, you know, and experiencing a lot of synchronicity is we swap these synchronicity stories and they sound, it sounds like, oh, everything just works out perfectly. If you can just tune into your intuition, oh my God, everything is amazing. And it's rainbows and unicorns for the rest of eternity. And it's not actually like that. And it sets up a misunderstanding. Like I currently have a friend that is going through some really hard stuff because they're not able to, like, they just have not had success as they are expecting success to look in applying a lot of these principles. And so they're like kind of flying off the handle and having, going through a big dark night of the soul, questioning the validity of any of this. And I think part of that is because the way that we talk about it, we accidentally can set people up to, we're already sort of wired to evaluate things in terms of the outcome and so then if we are thinking about oh okay I'm going to just shift into my intuition but we're thinking this from the intellect (laughs) I'm going to shift into my intuition and everything's going to start working better but then it's a struggle to even feel what the intuition actually is because the intellect is pretending it's intuition right for one thing so there's that layer but then there's the other piece too where like the intuition does not necessarily have the same objective as the intellect. So the, the, the path that leads us along is not always the path that the intellect would like label as being the, the, the ideal outcome. Like in the situation that you just explained, if, if you and your three sisters all have this intuition and it all, it felt aligned, then in all likelihood, that was the aligned direction, but it didn't play out in a way that was just smooth sailing, no problems for whatever reason. And yet that doesn't mean that it's a failure. It's just that our intellect tends to like the intellect is always looking at it from the angle of like, what's in it for me? Like how, (laughs) how can I, How can I improve my situation? Like, how can I make this intuition thing work for me? But the intuition is kind of guiding us along this interestingly meandering path that may not be what the intellect thinks is the right path or, you know, would measure us being like a successful outcome. Yeah. And I think some of that came from this, this uh, kind of erroneous new agey, the secret kind of thing where mm-hmm. we have the power just to manifest any physical thing that we put our minds to. That isn't exactly correct. But what I've learned is that it's called pivoting, like in basketball, right? If the ball comes to you in basketball and somebody's coming at you, you don't sit at the court and go, you know, why did this ball come to me? Why didn't it go to that other person? Or how come it didn't come this way? You just pivot and you go on to the next sort of intuitive thing that you're in. And it's taken me a lifetime to get to this place. But this is where I am now. So that when things pivot, you know, like the train strike, there was a train strike on Saturday and I had to leave a town in the UK to go to my next appointment. It's like, really? And I said to the woman at the behind the thing, I said, so there's just no way to get anywhere. And she's like, nope. 
thought, all right, like, like, okay, let's pivot. And then my hostess said, I'll drive you to the next station. But I could have been like, what? No. But I've just learned this, like, okay, how's this going to, how are we going to manifest from here? And what's this going to be? It becomes way more exciting than when our minds are trying to control what those outcomes are. Yeah. Do you think that's like a randomness, like a chaos variability element that's (laughs) sort of encoded in our reality to keep us on our toes? I think so. (laughs) So just what, what, what would it be if we were all just, you know, working in these compartmentalized, like... No, the, the chaos theory of the chaos of the whole emotional with a capital E, you know, that primordial soup. It's just chaos. It's everything. It's you. It's me. It's the table. It's everything on its way to this magnificent physical world that, wow. You know, there's a guy named, a scientist named Edward Witten, and he invented the M theory, which he says is not strings, but these circular member brain domains. And he says the M stands for mystery, miracle, manifestation, and you just use it however you need to. So in this theory, in this uh, process that we have, mystery is the very first thing. That mm. Everything is a mystery. And if we can sit back and say, wait a minute, you know, I, I know what I think, but really at the root of it, everything is a mystery. So let's discover what that is rather than trying to construct it with those intellectual constructs. Yeah. Yeah. Honor the mystery, bless the mystery, know that the mystery is infinitely greater than any of us. And we will never solve the mystery. Never. <laughs> but we can try and it's fun to try. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Barbara, will you, before we wrap up, will you tell us a little bit about your world peace tour and like what it even means to you to be a peace activist and like kind of what you're doing specifically through this process? Yes. When I started a couple of years ago, I I started to think about how was I going to leave this intellectual property after I passed? How was I going to have it live on? Because it's so important. And I got together with the Psychic Sorority, this Synergy Alliance. We started this company years ago to publish the book. And we all decided to put all of our work about this under one publishing company, Synergy Alliance. So I moved all of our books over to there. And I thought, this is my gift. I have a lot of, I'm an investigative reporter I'm an inspirational speaker, but this conflict revolution is what we need so much right now. And if I live as old as my father, which was 97, and my mother was 96, then I got a whole bunch of the life ahead of me. (laughs) So what am I going to do with it? And I gave up all the little revenue streams that I had to really focus on this. And as I've been going, it's totally the synchronicity picking up contacts here and speaking engagements there and doing workshops there and being invited from people who saw me on podcasts. And uh, I left home on October 15th. I rented out my home and have been traveling ever since. I have wonderful, wonderful friends who open up their homes to me. And I've been meeting these people who I've been on their podcasts. I drove down to Georgia 
and met a couple. And these are all like you, just, just young people who get this and who are excited about it. And I decided that because I used to tour Europe and give these workshops and Europe is a different mentality than the United States. It has a much more openness. And especially the UK is the home of the spiritualists. Lots of roots in people who are spiritualists and talk to dead people. And so I thought, I want to go start there. And so I found this website called Trusted House Sitters. And it's a place where people who need house and pet sitting can advertise and people like myself can become pet sitters and house sitters. And so I have seven sits and I'm here for two and a half months all around the UK. And then a couple of weeks over in Paris, just for me, I'm a singer. I like to go to the jazz jams. I love Paris, but everywhere along the way so far, I've had these incredibly mind blowing experiences. Like the fact that for most of my house sits, I'm only a five minute walk away from the spiritualist church. And that the people that I've been on these podcasts with are meeting me and turning me on to more people here in the UK. And I was at a, there's a place called the Aetherius Society, which is a worldwide movement started in the fifties by a guy named Dr. George King, who was told that he was going to be this interplanetary, this voice for this interplanetary parliament who were extraterrestrials who are here to try to help us with world peace. And it's become this worldwide movement. And so the headquarters happens to be in London and I was invited to the ceremony. And then there was a celebration of his birthday and it was a very intense ceremony. I went to the house where he channeled Jesus in the chapel and connected with this energy of people having channeled Jesus myself. And so this is this is the nature of it is that I not only do I get to meet these people and and bring this and to me this is going to be the first just the beginning of my world tour even though I'm here for two and a half months I'm just going to go on and on with this and I'm very excited about what's going to happen here because something always happens for me when I go somewhere something something really big and exciting always takes place so I'm I'm just going to wait and watch and be amazed as this all unfolds like it's supposed to. And it's so far, it's just mind boggling. That's super beautiful. And I feel like it's such a, it sounds like um, so in alignment with the concept of what you're teaching, which is that world peace is achieved through our own conflict revolution process. And it sounds like the way that you're doing this is you're sprinkling the seeds in the fertile soil. You you're not trying to like sprinkle the seeds in, in areas that are not, you know, prepared for this, the seeds, you know, you're sprinkling it in places where people are going to take what you're saying and understand it and apply it inwardly. And that is the magic of how, world peace is achieved it's not through you know the the sort of older perception of activism where we all have to make everybody get on board with a new ideal and everybody just has to follow the new ideal like or you know say like 
you know, we see a lot right now. It's it's calmed down, I think, because the news cycle has moved on somewhat. But in the the end of 2023, we were seeing a lot about the like a call to end the the a call to ceasefire in Palestine. And I feel like that's all well and good to say that. Like the sentiment, 100% behind it. Let's let's all stop killing everybody. Let's do it. But the it's not, it's not very effective. It's not, do you know what I mean? And not dissuading anybody from marching or protesting or whatever they feel truly compelled to do. I'm not trying to dissuade anyone, but I can see that that we've been doing that for a long time. It has achieved basically nothing at all. And really the yeah, the it's an internal alchemy thing. It's a decision to hold yourself to that standard. And that's all you can do. And it's all you ever have control over anyway. You can never, never like demonstrate or protest or tell everybody that this is what they need to do or this is the the new paradigm they need to get on board with. You can never actually achieve change through that because every person has to decide for themselves who they're going to be and how they're going to be. So I think it's beautiful that your world tour is at least in this very first like little brand new stage of it is um you're allowing yourself to be synchronistically and intuitively led to the places where the soil is rich and it's fertile and and the people are ready to receive this information and take it on and it will just spread beautifully from there you know, I, I am an activist. I've been an activist since 2011. I started a media co-op in Wisconsin to report on what was going on in the ground. And the, I became a water protector. And I've testified and I've written and I've been in marches and I've got arrested in northern Minnesota to protect the water. And I don't, I don't think any of that was wasted. But what I learned, I took a community rights course, I think in 2013. And he said this, he said, why do you think nothing's changing? We keep marching more and more. We keep marching and it just gets worse and worse. And so this starting with ourselves, where we find the us versus them mentality that we have within us, which we all do, and we shift it and change it and align to compassion. Naturally, it's going to manifest in ways that are aligned to that. And to me, I think if the world did this, we wouldn't have to go out into the streets. I just think this, this is the pathway to that peace. And it starts on the microcosm where I have changed my life completely to where I'm, I have a life of peace and it can happen then in the macrocosm. So I hope I can inspire people to, even if it's not conflict revolution, even though I think that is the most brilliant process and it's just so effective, but just just all of us understanding that finding this inner peace is a pathway to global peace. Don't disconnect the two or think that it's not important, but it does. It contributes to the whole collective consciousness. And there's so many young people, you like and your son and who are already in that. And so, yeah, that's why I'm really excited. I'm just so excited. And I'm so excited about this tour and where it's going to take me in the years ahead. This is just the the start of the first two weeks of the rest of my life. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I love it. And I'm curious, is this, do you have a, like, is 
is it a process that you teach in terms of like, are, are people who love to assist and facilitate this kind of transformation in others? Is there a certification process that people can look into? Yes, absolutely. I have a, a certified trainer, train the trainer process. And um, some people take it just to get so deep into it. But within that process, you know, we train you and then we give you people to train, which I oversee. And it's, it's just such a great learning process. But then once you're certified, then you can practition, call yourself a conflict revolution certified trainer and you become an institute, (laughs) we call them. And then you can do that process yourself. That is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Cause I know there are a lot of people in my audience who really feel called to some kind of healership, some kind of leadership and working with others and helping to achieve transformation. And then for everybody else, who's not necessarily like looking for a certification, but they would like to explore more and dive deeper. Where can they find you? What, what kind of things should they look for? Conflictrevolution.org will take you to everything you need to know about that. And you can uh, sign up at the website synergyalliance.llc. And that is where I will offer all my Zoom classes. I have them on a regular basis. Right now, while I'm on the road, I I tend to do about uh, channeling about once a month and then uh, put together some conflict revolution workshops as kind of needed or called. But there's so much information on that website and also barbarawith.com and also partyof12.com, party of 12. That is, I think I started that blog probably in 2008. So there is tons and tons and tons of downloadable channeling. I also have a YouTube channel, Barb With, and just all kinds of stuff. You could spend years listening and exploring, but you can also book a reading or I do personal one-to-one conflict revolution coaching where we walk you one-to-one through the whole thing and, and uh, get you going on that. So there's a lot to do there. That's amazing. Oh, I'll have all that in the show notes, but I, I just want to make sure I'm getting this clear. Like if you start at conflictrevolution.org, like that's kind of the, that's the main first stop. And then these other things you can find through links on that website. Yes. Okay, perfect. But I'll have all the links. I'm just for the listeners so that they they're like, wait, what? Which one do I go to? (laughs) Conflictrevolution.org. If you're questioning, start there. (laughs) Yes. Amazing. Well, Barbara, this has been such an incredible conversation. I'm just so I am inspired by you. You have inspired. Thank you very much. And I am certain that you have inspired many people in my audience. This conversation has inspired many people in my audience. So I just appreciate you and your your courage and your willingness to answer the call of your soul mission, that drive that you feel inside of yourself. Well, thank you, Amy. And thanks for having me. I just, I love these conversations. I love energizing the young people, as much as it's hard for me to believe I'm going to be 69, I still feel like I'm about 19, but it's a, it's a exciting world right now. I know it seems crazy, but um, I hope everybody can be inspired because then, then I get paid when people get inspired. So, <laughs> so there's that. 
Yeah. But also, no, I totally, I, I agree. Like it is, it can sound kind of, it can potentially sound insensitive to say like, oh, this, these are the most exciting times. Like it's so exciting to be alive during this time when there is a lot of conflict and there is a lot of craziness. But if you kind of can see the bigger picture, you know that this conflict is a good thing. It's stuff that has to come to the surface. We're better equipped to deal with it now than we have been in past times. And it it is, we're making a very big quantum leap in our collective consciousness. So yeah, it's super exciting. And by the way, thank you for calling me young so many times. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Cause it's only good. I can't believe you have a 19 year old, but it'll, it'll be a matter of time before you're hopefully pushing 72. So that's the good news. Yes. But I know what you mean. I I feel forever like I'm not sure what age, maybe let's say 22 or something. It's something like that. 22, 23. I feel, I always feel like I'm around that age. And I, I believe that I'm going to feel that way through the entirety of my life. Fingers crossed, touch wood. And so yes. even that part's inspiring. Thank you so much, Barbara. And thank you, beautiful listeners. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast episode, then please um, let us know. Like one of the coolest things you can do is screenshot yourself listening to the episode and then share it either on your Facebook stories or your Instagram stories and tag myself and Barbara. And otherwise, you know, you can always email me and tell me how great it was and I'll pass it along to Barbara too. Spread the love, my friends. Have a beautiful day or night wherever you are, guys, and I will catch you on the next episode. Well, that's a wrap. I truly hope that you enjoyed the episode and that you got some good activations, insights, and inspiration from what was shared today. I want to give a shout out to May, who edits all of these podcast episodes. And I want to thank you, beautiful listener, for the valuable currency of your time and attention. You are a powerful creator and may everything in this podcast serve you in your highest fucking creations. Your listenership means the world to me truly. I cannot possibly express my appreciation enough for you and your being here with me on this journey. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a moment to rate, review, subscribe, and share. And have a beautiful day or night wherever you are. I will catch you on the next episode.